Okay, good evening, everybody, and thank you for uh, for joining on this uh, on this Zoom. Um, it's been a while since we did a rabbi's desk share, so I figured let's uh, let's do one uh, tonight. Um, so here are a couple of shilas that came up very recently, uh, both uh, relating to the matzah v'neretz Yisrael, and uh, but in very very different ways from each other. So first shaila came up. I got a call from a rav in Eretz Yisrael who said that there was a chayal in his community who had two days off from uh, service in Gaza, and uh, the Chayal came home on Thursday afternoon. He had to report back to his base at 2 p.m. on Shabbos afternoon. Um, the, uh, his wife's Tevila night, to complicate matters, his wife's Lel Tevila, to go to the Mikvah, is Friday night. Uh, now, she had uh, waited five days before doing a Hefzik Tara. She had been clean before that, but she waited the five days as one uh, an Ashkenazi woman normally would. She did a Hefzik Tara, and then the seven clean days end on uh, Friday night, and she's supposed to go to the mikveh on Friday night. So his Shaila is, he wants to know if there's any room for leniency in one direction or the other, meaning... If uh, he has to be back on his base at Shabbos at 2 p.m., uh, and he knows that he has to be back Shabbos at 2 p.m., really, normally, he would get back there before Shabbos so that he won't have to drive on Shabbos. Um, so, uh, but, but if he's going to do that, then he's going to miss his wife's tevila night. He's not going to be able to be with his wife. So he wants to know if there's room to be making either to allow his wife to go to the mikvah one night earlier or to uh, allow him to return to his base driving on Shabbos. For whatever reason, it is not an option to have a Nachri drive him. Maybe the base that he's in is a highly sensitive one, and uh, and then and, and there's uh, you know and it's you know, and, and it's secret or something like that. But it's not an option to have a Nachri drive him on Shabbos. So those are that is his uh, his question. Can either his wife go to the mikvah a night early? Or can he drive back on Shabbos? A second question I got is an email that said the following. Hi, Rebbe, here is a fairly hypothetical question. My wife and I are Be'ezra Hashem and Mesha Tova, expecting our second child in a few months. If it is a boy, we are planning on naming him after a relative of my wife's. If it is a girl, we Baruch Hashem do not have anyone to name her after. Recently, my wife and I read the story of a female IDF soldier who was on one of the bases that Hamas attempted to take over on October 7th. She was murdered while fighting off terrorists and thereby saved the lives of over a hundred other chayalim on her base. We subsequently found two similar stories of a chayal and a medic who were also killed while saving others and thought it would be a nice idea to name our daughter after one of them. The only issue is that the women in the three stories we found were named Amit, Adar, and Eden, Eden, which are not names that would typically fit in our base Yaakov community. So the question is as follows. Is this a good idea at all? Even though they're undeniably heroes and were most enough for Kali Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael, is it appropriate to name a child for them knowing that they did not live a Torah lifestyle and that they died at such a young age? And uh, is it a, a good idea to use names that we don't have a Mesorah for, that are not associated with Tanakh and or any Gedolim, even though these women had Mesiris Nefesh for Klal Yisrael? And then finally, if these aren't the best names to use, do you have any suggestions? So, uh, you know, that's beyond my, you know, above my pay grade to have uh, suggestions of names to use, I think. But anyway, 
that is the uh, Shailah. So we have two Shailahs over here. Again, the two options are, number one, about the Chayal, who has to return to his base on Shabbos at 2 p.m., but his wife's Lel Tevila is Friday night. So can she either go to the mikvah one night early, or can uh, can she uh, can can he drive back to the base on Shabbos? And Shailah number two is uh, naming for the brave Chayalot. So if everyone could just uh, vote in the chat, and we'll see which one we're going to discuss. Okay, let's see. How many votes? One, 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 two, one... Two, two, one, two, two. So far, it's a tie. So we need a tie-breaking vote. We have, a, oh, two. Is that that it? So we have our tiebreaker. We have a six to five vote. Did I count that wrong? Oh no, it's a five to five vote. No, it's still a tie. It's a tie now. Anyone else want to vote, please, so that I don't have to choose. Anyone who didn't vote want to speak up? Oh, one second. Oh, okay, so everyone wants to. Okay, so it looks like two is the uh, is the winner. So so let's talk about that. Happens to be just the first Shiloh, the one that we're not talking about, um, is a Shiloh that was ultimately, you know, the, when the when the rabbi called me, I said, uh, you know, you need to speak to a rabbi in Israel. I mean, this is uh, an Israeli rabbi Shiloh, meaning who he'll be much more familiar with what it means that you have to return to a bit. Like when I asked a, an, an American rabbi this question, and what he thought. He said, I'm sure he could just call his commanding officer and say, like, can I just come a few hours later after Shabbos is over? I'm like, ah, that's a very American rabbi kind of response, you know? Like, you know, an Israeli rabbi would be more familiar with whether you can actually do something like that and, uh, you know, and how, how flexible they are on the, uh, on the timing. Um, so in the end of the day, the Shaila went to Rav Asher Weiss, which is where it should have gone in the first place anyhow. And, uh, yeah, so Rav Asher... Uh, um, Rav Asher said essentially that I don't like to be making like this in general, but in, given the circumstances, he could drive back on Shabbos, that he allowed the fellow to drive back on Shabbos, which really relates to, you know, the, the real sugi is about doctors, right? Meaning if a doctor knows that he has a shift that's going to start on Shabbos, and his shift is pikuach nefesh, but is he allowed to start Shabbos at home with his family, and then drive to the uh, to the hospital? So that's Machlokas Ramosh and Roshon Zalman, where Ramosh is machmi of Shon Zalman is Mekil. Um, obviously, everyone would hold its best to get a Nachri to drive you, but uh, but be that as it may, I guess Rav Asher was willing to rely on Rav Shlomo Zalman in that case. But that's not the Shaila we're talking about. We're talking about the one naming after the Chayalot Amit, Adar, and Eden, uh, which are not names. I made up the base Yaakov part, but I think he said it's just not names that would fit into our community that we would normally that we would normally use. So uh, let, let's talk about the issues over here, right? There are two primary issues with using these names. Number one, you're not supposed to name after people who are not Shomer Torah Mitzvah. So number two, you're not supposed to name after people who had bad mazels. So let's discuss some of the details of that. So the Gemara says that uh, the, the Gemara darshans from the phrase, Vishem Rishayim Yirkav, which means that the names of wicked people should rot, that it means that it should rot from disuse. That if you have a name of a, of a, of a Russia, you're not supposed to use that name and let it become rusty from disuse. And Rabbi Nechanan writes that someone who's named after Russia is not going to be matzliach in life in general, and the Marsha says that it's it's actually an iser. I mean, very often people will call me and ask me about halachos of naming children. There aren't really any halachos of naming children. There's exactly one halacha, and that is that one is not 
not allowed to name after a Russia. Um, now, there are many exceptions to that. And when I say Russia, I'm not saying it as like an insult, a pejorative, a way, meaning I'm saying it in the sense that someone who's not Shomer Torah Mitzvah, meaning there is a halachic definition of the word Russia when it comes to, for example, Psule Eidos, right? A Russia is Psule Eidos. How do we define Russia? It doesn't mean that he's a nasty person. It doesn't mean that he's mean. It doesn't mean that he's, uh, you know, that he, it doesn't mean that he's not most nefesh for Kali Israel. A, a Russia is defined as someone who regularly violates an Avera that involves Malkus or worse. So certainly a Mechal Shabbos is not a kosher aid at, uh, at your wedding, and therefore would fit into the halachic category of Russia. Not, uh, so again, not using it in the way that we normally use it as an insult uh, to a person, using it as a halachic category. So one is not supposed to name after Russia. However, there are a number of exceptions to that rule. For example, if a tzaddik had the same name as the Russia, so Tosus points out that there was a Tana named Shevna, even though in Sefer Yeshaya, Shevna was a Russia. So Tosos explains that there was another Shevna who was also a Tzaddik. And therefore, Tosos concludes that you're allowed to give uh, a, a child the name of a Russia if there was a Tzaddik who happened to have the same name. If that were not the case, then you wouldn't be able to name any child Avraham, as long as there was ever in the human history one wicked person named Avraham, right? So why are we allowed to name Avraham? Because there were plenty of tzaddikim named Avraham, starting with Avraham Avinu. In fact, Rav Sternbach was asked about naming a baby for a relative who was not religious, where the family would be very upset if they didn't use the name. It was like the Zaidi's name, but the Zaidi wasn't religious at all, so can they name their child after the non-religious Zaidi? And he says that uh, you're allowed to name a baby after a grandfather who didn't keep Shabbos, if the name is a common biblical name, and the father should just also have in mind, as he's naming the child, that he's naming the baby after, you know, the, the tzaddik in Tanakh. So if, uh, you know, the grandfather's name was Moshe, and uh, he wasn't Shomer Shabbos, so name the baby Moshe, but also have in mind Moshe Rabbeinu, and Ramosha Feinstein, and uh, the Rambam, and, you know, all the other tzaddikim who, uh, who have that name. So that would work, you know, if it were a common name, like, uh, uh, you know, like Moshe, but these names, it's, I, I don't know, I mean, I don't know any uh, religious tzaddikim that had the names Amit, Adar, or, or Eden, so uh, that, that heter l'chora is not going to help us very much. Rav Sturmbach also suggests that another possible exception is that when you're naming after a Russia, you could just add a name of bracha, you know, similar to how when you name after someone who died young, just add a name like uh you know, Baruch, Aryeh, Rafael, you know, things that have more of a positive connotation. I'm not saying Aryeh because it's my name that it has a positive connotation. It's an actual example that Sturmbach gives, I guess, because it represents Gvura, the strength of a lion, or uh, whatever. Um, but he points out that even though the Chazanish uh, did not approve of the Minag to give a child two names, um, even the Chazanish had two names. Um, in, the, in this case, even the Chazanish would say that it's the best available option. And he says you should certainly not allow these issues to cause uh, Shalom bias problems, arguments in the family, or things like that. A third exception is somebody who wasn't really totally uh, Russia. The Piskeatosis writes that if somebody only violates a single Avera, you shouldn't consider them a Russia and you can name after them. 
only someone who's entirely wicked, like Doeg HaDomi, shouldn't be named for it. Wow, now that, that changes everything. I Meaning, if you're going to say that, it's got to be someone who's a complete Russia. So if this person's a Tinoch Shanishma, even though you wouldn't have them be an aid Kiddushin because they fit the Halachic category of Russia, but maybe when it comes to naming a child, we're not interested in the Halachic category of Russia. Maybe we're interested in whether they are evil. And uh, these people were heroes. These people were, were people who were literally Moser Nefesh to protect members of Klal Yisrael. Um, a, a fourth possible exception is when the Russia did tshuva. Um, because the, the Rishonim all struggle with the question, how could it be that one of the Gedolei HaTanaim had the name Rabbi Yishmael? Yishmael, obviously in Tanakh, was not a good guy. So how could they uh, name, how could uh, you know the parents of this Tana name him Yishmael? So Tos Yishonim and the Ritva say that if a Russia does tshuva before he dies, so, you know, Makam Shvali Tshuva Amdim, Ein Tzadikim Gemur Micholim Lamod, it's a very high madrega, and therefore you can name after him. And Yishmael did tshuva right before he died. So the Tanaim were allowed to name someone Yishmael. It's uh, other Rishonim say, those Rishonim quotes from others that say that, no, Yishmael was so named because that name was chosen by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And any name that's chosen by HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, is, going to, uh, is going to be uh, within the, the rights of, uh, of any future generation to use, even if the person who first carried that name was not, um, was not, uh, was not a tzaddik, was a rasha. So at, at the end of the day, as far as issue number one is concerned, as far as naming after a person who is not Shomer Toru Mitzvos, uh, it would seem that the, the Pashtus is that you shouldn't do it, but it could be, um, you know, based on the Piskei Tosvos, that that would be Mutter because uh, the person, these people are not Rishayim in the in the uh, in 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 the conventional sense, they're only they only would have the status of Russia in the Hilchos Edus sense, and maybe naming has nothing to do with Hilchos Edus. The second issue is people who died young, and this might be a more uh, a more challenging issue. So what's the issue? Rabbi Yudah Chassid, this is not a Gemara. Rabbi Yudah Chassid says that a person shouldn't name after a person who dies young because it's a, the fear is that the name is contributed to the untimely demise of the person, that it was bad mazel of that name that, that led to the demise of that person. Marshal writes that someone who, people do not name their children Yeshayahu after the Navi because he was killed at a young age. So instead people call the kids Yeshaya without the Vav, Yeshayahu as a way of modifying the name and, and saying that it's not the same, you know, that it's not the same name. And that's, that mitigates any problem of naming for somebody who met an untimely demise. Uh, it's interesting that Shmuel on the side of Ebenezer says that people named Yeshaya are actually named after a different Yeshaya whose name appears in Divrei Ayamim, who was not killed. Right, uh, you know, Divrei Ayamim has a lot, a lot of names. Divrei Ayamim is a fascinating sefer uh, in that it's not a fascinating safer. Meaning, uh, what makes Divrayam fascinating is that uh, everything, I think Rabbi Bridewitz pointed out, everything in Divrayamim is either um, repetitive or a stira. Right? It's either redundant or it's a stira. Because everything in Divrayam is a repeat of what it says in Nevi'im Rishonim. So it either says it exactly like it said in Nevi'im Rishonim, which would mean it's just repetitive and we have to figure out why it had to be reported again. Or it's a steer at something it said in the we shown him, in which case we have to figure out why there are two versions of, uh, of the story that happened. So that's what makes the learning Divrayam a, uh, a fascinating limud. But anyway, that's what the Bishmul says, that when people name their kids Yeshaya, they're actually not naming after Yeshayahu the Navi. Chassam Sofer says people who name their children Akiva tend to spell it with 
a hay at the end instead of an olive. And if you look at Rabbi Akiva in the Mishnayis, is with an olive at the end. Why would we change that and spell it with a hay at the end, at the end and not with an olive at the end? So Sofer says, because Rabbi Akiva was killed in the most unfortunate way. And since he met such an unfortunate end, it's Rea Mazale, it's bad mazel, and we don't want to name someone with uh, such bad mazel. What, what comes out is that a person should avoid naming a child for someone who met an untimely death. So that lichora is is uh, is an issue over here. Um, you know, uh, the the uh, a lot of times it's very emotional. You know, someone dies at a very young age, and the person was a very special person and was a real tzaddik, and is someone that's really really going to be missed, and it means so much to the family that other people name their children. I think um, uh, Hillel Fold said that. Uh, that there's, there are dozens and dozens of kids, uh, including my nephew, one of my nephews, that are named after Ari Fold. Uh, he died in a very tragic and heroic way, um, but, uh, but it was a very tragic way, and people do name after them. But are you supposed to? Meaning, so the Ramah writes that usually the name Gedalyahu is spelled with the concluding Vav, because it, it's usually after Gedalya ben Achikam. So it seems that Gedalya ben Achikam, it seems that the Ramah believes that we need that you don't have to worry about naming for people that are an untimely passing because he says, oh, you know how I know how to spell Gedalyahu? Based on the way Gedalyahu is spelled in the context of Gedalyahu ben Achikam, who was murdered, right? Al-Kiddush Hashem, but he was murdered. It was actually Chil Hashem, and people are named after him. So apparently the Ramah holds that you are allowed to name after people who were who were killed Al-Kiddush Hashem. So it, it seems that there's a machlokas here, that the Ramah is in disagreement with the Marshal and Chassam Sofer, meaning everybody agrees in general if someone just had a, an untimely demise that you shouldn't name after them directly. However, they disagree as to whether um, one who had an untimely demise but was killed Al-Kiddush Hashem should be named after. The Ramah says, of course you should name after them. There's more, no more noble a death than, than dying Al-Kiddush Hashem, regardless of how tragic the circumstances. Uh, a, a contemporary practical application of this would be whether we should name after any of the other people that were killed uh, on October 7th, or any of the Chaylim, or anyone that was killed in the Holocaust. Um, the people who were killed, murdered Al-Kiddush Hashem, killed because they were Jews. Um, however, it could be that even the Marshal Sam Sofer, who say that you shouldn't name after people who died young, even if it was Al-Kiddush Hashem, would agree that you should name after somebody who, who, uh, who died as part of a national catastrophe that involved the indiscriminate murder of Jews, Al-Kiddush Hashem. I mean, it could be that, you know, if there was Al-Kiddush Hashem, a Jew died, Al-Kiddush Hashem, maybe that's where the Marshal and Chassam Sofer say, don't use that name, because it was obviously that person's muzzle. But when six million Jews were killed, Al-Kiddush Hashem, so then the Marshal and Chassam Sofer might say, it's not that person's muzzle, it's the muzzle of Gantz Klal Yisrael. So it's, you're not going to limit it to that person's muzzle. You also have to like figure out how young is too young, right? Meaning, when do you say that someone died died too young? Now, if a person again is murdered, that's a very unusual death, and that would be a bad muzzle at any age. But let's say a person just drops dead; they have a heart attack, a stroke, in nine years, or whatever. They just drop dead, but but they drop dead at at, at what we would refer to as too young an age. So some posts can give an exact number at the, as the cutoff point. The Minchas Luzer says the age of fifty. That if a person dies before the age of 50, you shouldn't name for them. 
And if you do, then you should add to the person's name. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky says the age of 60. Um, you know, uh, Ramosha says, ah, it's hard to give an exact number. Ramosha has a tshuva, and he says, very hard to give an exact number. That's a cutoff point for something like this. He says you have to evaluate qualitatively whether the person had a particularly difficult or incomplete life. And he says, you know, uh, it's very hard for us to say what's a shortened life, meaning HaKadosh Baruch Hu allots different numbers of years to different different people. So one of the factors you want to take into account is did they die in unnatural death? Did they die with without ever having children? So he says, you know, Shmuel Hanavi and Shlomo Melech died at the age of 52, Chizkiyo died at the age of 54, and people use the names Shmuel, Shlomo, and I guess to a lesser extent Chizkiyo, but they use that too. So, so you see that even though people died in their 50s, but they had good lives in the sense that they had children, they had success, they were able to... So it's hard to know, the, you know, exactly where to put the cutoff point. However, it would seem that in this case... Uh, this is clearly well below the cutoff point, meaning, and this is clearly a tragic death. To be to be murdered by Hamas terrorists is a very, very tragic, tragic death. So what it really boils down to, as far as issue number two is concerned, is when someone is killed al-Kiddush Hashem uh, in a very unfortunate manner, uh, do you say that that's considered bad mazel? Or do you say, no, if someone's killed al-Kiddush Hashem, that's always the greatest name you could ever give somebody. Now, both of these issues can be mitigated by adding a name, right? Meaning, I don't think the couple was considering just naming their daughter uh, Adar, meaning probably they were going to name her uh, Sarah Adar or uh, Rivka Adar or something like that, right? They were probably going to add a name anyway. So if you add a name, then you don't have either of these problems, right? Either the problem that they're not Shomri Torah Mitzvos, nor the problem of, uh, of, the, of that they had bad mazel. What about the third issue? What about the fact that these names don't really have a Misora? So this is a well-known... Um, I don't know if you call it a pet peeve, because I don't think Gedolim uh, typically, um, who are Kulo Torah, can be said to have pet peeves. But if, it, it, you know, I don't know what to call it exactly, a shita, we'll call it a shita. This was a well-known shita of Rav Chaim Kanievsky, Zechran Levracha. Um, Rav Chaim Kanievsky refused to give a bracha to a person that had a non-traditional name. He was adamant. He, was, he expressed his opinion uh, all the time. And there are many books and, and contrasim that are written about names that all quote him. Because anyone who published a sefer in the last uh, 20, 30 years of Chaim Kanievsky's life, uh, the easy way to get a few more people to buy your sefer was to send a list of questions from Chaim. He responded to everything. And then you could publish on your sefer, written by me, with tshuvas from Chaim Kanievsky. So you have like a whole bunch of, uh, and the tshuvas from Chaim Kanievsky are Cain, Lo, Ulai, you know, they, they weren't like elaborate uh, tshuvas. But I Anyway, that's that, that was the style. So there there are like a bunch of books on naming kids. Uh, there's a book called V'yikari Shemo B'Yisrael, uh, Shemos Ba'aretz, Shmagarim, and in all of these different countries, and they have Sakim from Chaim Kanievsky. And, uh, you know, it's well known that if a, if someone said, can you daven for my daughter to have a shidduch, what's her name? Her name is Shira. So he would say, no, it's not. Her name is not Shira, her name is Sarah. And the father would be like, uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's Shira. And he'd be like, no, it's not, it's Sarah. Uh, you mean I should do a name change? I should do a whole... No, you don't have to do a name change. She never had that name. That name is not a name. And uh, her name is Sarah. Uh, so he, like, entirely denies the uh, that, that there could be any validity to such a name. Um, 
meaning it, it, it doesn't even need to be changed. Uh, the name just doesn't exist. Uh, and all you need to do is choose an appropriate name. So Shiraz were all Saras, Elirans were all Elchanan Eliyahu's, Zohar's are mayors. Uh, you know, he just, uh, he just turned their name into, into something else. In the Sefer Shemos Baritz, he quotes Reb Chaim that they asked him, um, you know, how can, you know, how can you uh, invalidate the name Shira? The girl was born around Shabbos Shira. So they named her after the fact that it was Shabbos Shira. So he said, and if she was born in Shabbos Para, what would, uh, what would you have named her? Right? If she was born in Shabbos Mitzora, what would you have named her? So uh, that was Rechaim's uh, sense of humor. Um, so he, he held that only, the only names that are valid are names that are found in Tanakh, or in uh, or in Ebenezer, Simukov uh, Chavtes, where it goes through all the spellings of the names for uh, Gittin purposes. Um, so he's quoted as saying uh, the, in in these svarim, "Hine shemos sham shugayim himtziu yesh levatlam legamri." You know the the names that people I don't like came up with uh, should uh, you know we should not uh, we should not use. Um, so they asked him. Why is that any different than the names of the Amoraim? The Amoraim all had Aramaic names, and uh, all the women throughout all the generations were always called by Yiddish names. So what's the difference between Yiddish and Ivrit, right? Why is it that a Yiddish name is okay, but a name in Ivrit is not okay? Not only that, the Gemara says in Yuma that uh, most of the Jewish people in Chutzlaretz have names of Gaim. It's uh, and and the only place that the Gemara says you're not the only the only name the Gemara says you're not allowed to use is the Gemara we quoted before Yuma Daflam Chesem Beis not to call someone after Russia but it doesn't say about about, about uh, names that uh, that the Amoraim used. So Chaim said Shemos Shematzanu Shakasu the Gemara Shatanoim Vamoraim Nikrubem Efshar Lekodam a name of a Tano or an Amora that you're allowed to use Avalahotzi Shemos Chadashim Kemosh Yesh Hayom Zelo but not appropriate to use a name that's brand new. Um, the, uh, the, 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 they kept on pushing Rab Chaim, and they said, you know, uh, we don't understand, why should there be any difference? So he said, We have to trust the Ruach HaKodesh of Chazal, essentially, that if they were using that name, we can't ask any kashas. That, uh, that, that which people are just doing nowadays, I do not have to trust that people know what they're doing nowadays. Chazal say that you're supposed to call Al Shem Avoseinu, and that's the respectful thing to do, to name after uh, older family names. Uh, there must be something going on in Chazal when they used other names, but nothing, uh, nothing we could do. So then they pressed him further and they said, um, but your name is Chaim. Where do we find in Tanakh or Shas someone whose name is Chaim? Uh, and, uh, you know, the easy answer would have been, I didn't name myself, right? But he didn't say that because the stipler named him, right? Meaning his father, that would have been disrespectful to his father. So he couldn't say, uh, I, he couldn't just uh, get out of it by saying, I didn't name myself. So what did Reb Chaim say? So Reb Chaim said, there's a Medrash Teiman. Uh, in the, he says, you, you can't catch Reb Chaim on the Medrash Chazal. He knew all of uh, Chazal. It's not even clear the Medrash Teiman is Chazal at all. It's one of the more questionable Midrashim. But he found a Medrash Teiman where one of the uh, authors uh, had the name Chaim. So he said, it is a name that was used in previous uh, in the previous generations. There's a Medrash in Bereshus Rabbah that says that in earlier generations, people had Ruach HaKodesh to make up names. But nowadays, we're just supposed to name after 
family members. So someone wanted to tie it to me that Rav Moshe clearly disagrees with this and holds that, that modern names are fine. What's the raya that they brought? They said, well, Rav Moshe has a tshuva about giving secular names, about giving non-Jewish names. Right? Can you have a child, um, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, um, pick uh, any random uh, English name. Uh, just looking at the uh, at the uh, the Zoom over here. Can you have a child named Henry? Right? So Henry's not a Yiddish name. So happen- so so uh, so Moshe writes. You know the Medrash that says that Klal Yisrael were zocha to <laughs> good change Henry. <laughs> the the Medrash that says that uh, he changed his name to Chaim on that Zoom just now. The Medrash that says that uh, that 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 Klal Yisrael were uh, were zocha to Geula as a result of our Jewish names. Ramosha says. That's not an indication that you need to have a Jewish name um, and that you're not allowed to have a non-Jewish name. He says that's an indication that at a time when Klal Yisrael didn't even have a Torah yet, so in all that distinguished us was our way of dress and our way of speech and our way and, and our names. So then you needed to have a Jewish name to stand out as Jewish. But but in in now that we have a Torah that we have 613 things that make us stand out as Jewish. So you don't need the Jewish name to make us stand out as Jewish and. Therefore, Amosh says there's no Isser to call someone a non-Jewish name. So someone wanted a Taina. Ah! Oh, so you see, Amosh says there's no problem in having a non-Jewish name, so it must be that it's a valid name. I'm not sure that that's a Raya at all, because uh, as Henry just demonstrated to us, most people named Henry also have a Hebrew name. Meaning, it's not their real name. Their real name is Chaim, right? Their real name is actually a Hebrew name. That's not the question over here. The question we're dealing with is, instead of having a real name, to have a made-up name. And it could be that Ramosha would agree that that is inappropriate, to just have a made-up name instead of having a real, uh, a real name. Another factor one has to take into account is that it's not proper to saddle a child with a name that they're going to be embarrassed about their entire lives. Um, you know, that's a, the kid is going to have to live with that, you know, their entire lives. So if you're raising a daughter in a Beis Yaakov uh, community and she's going to have a name that, you know, that the other kids are going to make fun of, it could be that that's not, uh, that's not proper. Now, uh, the, the, what, what are appropriate names? I don't know, Yael, Devora, Yehudis, there are plenty of, uh, of great heroes of the Jewish people, great women uh, of the Jewish people that, uh, that can, that, whose names can, can be used in this context. So, again, from the first two uh, issues, the issue of uh, naming after someone who's not Shom Torah Mitzvah and naming after someone who died young, you could easily solve the problem by just adding a name, which they were probably going to do anyway. As far as the third issue of using a name that's one of these newfangled names, there's no Isser in doing it. I don't think Reb Chaim Kanievsky's Mahalich was the accepted Mahalich that it's just null and void and doesn't count at all, meaning whatever you name your kid, that, that is their name, um, but it doesn't seem like that's the, um, you know, that's the way Chazal recommend giving names. Uh, Chazal recommend giving names by using, uh, in at least in our generation, tried and true names that have been in use for, uh, for generations and generations. I think they say that Rav Moshe um, had a daughter-in-law um, that, uh, that when Ramosha's daughter-in-law wanted to name her daughter Aviva after an Avraham, Ramosha said that Aviva doesn't make any sense. He said it's not a word. It's either Aviv or it doesn't mean anything. So he said that the better name to choose is Avra is is is, is Ahuva because when you're, you're naming after Avraham, the key is the hey. 
So you want to have the hey, that's the most important letter, so name her Ahuva. It happens to be that my niece is a great-great-granddaughter of Ramosha, and her name is Ahuva. So I said to my wife, I wonder if it's because of that, that my brother named my brother and sister named her Ahuva. My wife said, no, no, you don't remember? She was being named after someone named Liba, and your brother thought it would be cruel to name a daughter Liba Libowitz. Um, so, uh, so that's why they changed it to, uh, to Ahuva. So anyway, um, be that as it may, that's, uh, that's, I think, the proper advice in this case. Thank you all for coming on the Zoom and joining, and uh, have a wonderful evening and a wonderful Shabbos. Good night to all.